everybody has one stupid thing that they're allowed to believe in their life. You know, you get you get uh -huh. one. You get one yeah. stupid thing. You'd be like, you know what? I a little bit feel like Loch Ness might be real, or uh, you know what? Yeah. I, I a little bit feel like, uh, you know, maybe Bigfoot. Maybe there's something to that. It's conceivable yeah. you could have a, a giant. And I, I'll be honest, Brad, <laughs> we were doing our 2024 predictions last year, and I forgot to mention my my personal big prediction for 2024, which is, I think. 2024 might be a big year for UFOs, Brad. And I'm inviting you to make fun of you, me for it. I'm UFOs. inviting you to make flying fun of me saucers? for it. Flying saucers? Little green men flying saucers? That's what you're excited Little about? Little green men, Brad? I so oh, uh, You are God. familiar, of course, with the Fermi paradox, are you not? Yes, with, yes, of course. With, with the scientist uh, Fermi who came up with a paradox saying, like, in a vast universe where there are more stars than there are grains of sand on the Earth, Right, yeah. like you could pick up every grain of sand on the earth and there would still be more stars in the universe than there are. So if there's that many um, uh, stars and we now associate a certain percentage of planets around every star, given that star, you know, you can use the Drake equation to figure it out. There should be a just a shit ton of life in the universe. So yeah. why do we hear no one? Why is there nothing, you know? And yeah. so Fermi and other scientists came up with a gateways of life. Like you could have, well, it maybe it's highly unlikely that life even gets started in, in, in a proto form, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's maybe it's highly unlikely that life goes from singular cellular to multicellular life or from multicellular life to sentient life. Or maybe there is a mathematical propensity for life to destroy itself once it gets to sentience, yeah. like yeah. we almost did in the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And, and as we're working really Really hard on doing in the in the coming years yeah. yeah or maybe it's just that there is a very small window that once life gets sentient on a planet some physical catastrophe happens you could either have a gamma ray burst you could have a giant asteroid hit a planet you could have a, a, a sun that goes nova you know yeah. so the Fermi paradox holds that there maybe there's a lot of gateways that life has to pass through and there's so many that maybe we just at the right time have never encountered another life form but right. I gotta tell you, as a sci-fi writer, I've been excited, Brad. And again, I invite you to make fun of me because there's starting to be certain whistleblowers that are coming out from the government that yeah. are saying like, hey, maybe there's something to this. And maybe yeah. the CIA actually hid things in, in, in private practice. So it was away from Federal Freedom of Information Act uh, releases. Yeah. And maybe it's the case that Lockheed or the old EG&G or Radiance Technologies in Ohio, maybe they actually hold something. And I kind of feel like 2024 might be the year we find out more about this, Brad. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Yeah. What would it take to, uh, to, to, to make you a, what would it take to make you a believer in that? Like what would, what would a picture, a, 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 a movie, like all that stuff is so fakeable now. Yes. How would, aside, what would it take for you to say, aha, that's, now it's real? Well, that's a really good question because we are entering a phase where um, within a couple of years, AI could create really realistic moving images where you'd be like, wow, that really does look like a film from 1962 of something yeah. either crashed or, you know, biologic or technological. And I, boy, that looks real. And we're not that many years off from that, you know? So yeah. uh, I feel like what would have to happen for me to be like, all right, it's confirmed. We're not alone in the universe. Is you have to have um, people of moral and career uh, repute would have to come out and say certain things. You know what I mean? You would need yeah. 
Like for me, it blew my mind when like two years ago, the former CIA director came out and basically said there may be indications of may he kept it was it was Brennan, by the way. Yeah. And the, it, the interview is fascinating. He was like, we may have indications on our systems of that may be interpreted as life in a maybe another form. And you're like, holy shit, this is weird that the CIA director is saying this. So yeah. I would need somebody like Obama, who has also indicated that there may be life uh, and or somebody like, you know, you would need somebody in a position of power for me to say, holy shit. All right. We're not alone in the universe. And then I would get really excited because I personally feel like that's a it's an optimistic thing if the universe has allowed for another sentient form of life to develop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. then you don't have those Fermi paradox gatekeeper moments where I think if you find one, you're more likely to find many forms of life. Does that make sense? Like uh, yeah. back to the oh, Drake equation, you know? So anyway, I know, I know I sound so stupid saying all this. I recognize, <laughs> I recognize as an intelligent, educated person that I sound stupid, but there's enough people like between uh, David Grush, who's former uh, National Reconnaissance Office and National Geospatial Office, and Carl mm -hmm. Nell, who's an army colonel coming out and like, they're all coming out in the last couple of years. And it's like, holy shit. I feel like maybe yeah. all the gatekeepers from the 60s and 70s are dying off. And the younger people are like, no, this is stupid that we're keeping the secret. Let's yeah. get this out. And I, I'm excited for it. I'm here for it, Brett. So <laughs> I'm inviting you to make fun of me at the top of the show. Uh, well, no, I, I, I listen, I think it would be great. I think it, nothing would be greater than to find out that all these years UFOs have actually been a thing. Do you let me ask you this? How much because some people think that it's not it's never been revealed because the people in power are worried that an ontological shock, a, a worldview shock would be too uh -huh. great for a lot of humanity, either for religious reasons or philosophical reasons. Um, would you personally be have a feeling of ontological shock? Like, what is my place in life? What am, what where am I on the food chain? Do you know what I mean? No, I got to be honest with you. I really I, I don't think I would find that shocking at all in that regard. You know, I, I, I think it would be one more thing that uh, we get to explore and discover. But I don't I don't think my my philosophy <laughs> Would be too would be too upset by it. No, I I, I, I would yours. I know, and that's why I I don't think I think a lot of people there'd be a couple of days of like ha huh, oh geez wow, and then I a little bit feel like it would be how humanity reacted when I don't I always forget his name is like a Dutch scientist like Van Lewick or Van Lewick when he discovered that there was microbiological life on every mm -hmm. surface in every way you can imagine in the water we drink yeah. on the tables we touch that there's there's microscopic life when when humanity figured out that there was life literally on every surface you touch uh i think most humans go Ugh, for a half second and then we yeah. kind of go all right well if it hasn't killed yeah. me yet i guess i guess we're all right to coexist i guess it's okay yeah and so i feel like the ontological shock would take about a couple of days for most people and then we would kind of adjust to the new reality i think that would be okay ish but i'm surprised yeah. i thought you were going to make fun of me when i when i admitted this I, that I, no, I i i honestly i don't have any i i think i I think to make fun of you would be to make fun of somebody for being intellectually curious and 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 excited about discovering new things. Yeah. And and that's not my I love make don't get me wrong, I love making fun of you, but I, I got <laughs> I've got nothing that I can I can, I can use on. Well this. listen, I could go for hours on the topic, but I won't I won't bore anybody else. I just it's my prediction for twenty twenty four. I feel like we might find out a little snippet of something, and I'm here for it. And on that note, I'm gonna say hello everybody. 
everybody, and welcome to our little snippet of something. This is Comic Lab, the show about <laughs> making comics. And making a living from comics, I'm Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Inc. And I'm his friend Dave Kellett, so impressed that I was not laughed at at the beginning of the show. I'm the cartoonist <laughs> of Drive and Sheldon and the co-director of Stripped. Uh, don't worry, we're going to find something to laugh at you about uh, sooner or later. <laughs> It'll get there. And this week's hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave, let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. And given the fact that we're at the beginning of the year and yeah. it's a fresh start, it's a, it's a new start, it's a, it's a time of beginnings. Brad yeah. and I are going to dive into two specific questions that we get all the time that yeah. have been... Uh, best summarized in the questions we recently got. And we're going to talk about it over the course of the show, which is how does one start and how yeah. does one know one is making a good comic? And they're, yeah. they're both key fundamental one-on-one questions that are actually also kind of profound, even in year 25 of our cartooning, Brad, like how, yep, does, how do Brad and Dave know that they're making good comics in our 25th year of making comics. So let's jump into our first question, Brad. This comes yeah. in from Bill over at patreon.com slash comic lab. And Bill writes, as a new listener, I'm trying to, and by the way, this is a little longer question, but we're going to allow yeah. it because it's a, it's a good one. So yeah. Bill says, as a new listener, I'm trying to absorb as much as I possibly can about the business of doing comics, but there's a hell of a lot to learn. I'm a 61-year-old father and husband, and I'm currently a tenured professor, hey, hey, of English and Arts Humanities at the Smallish Technical College. I am determined to take my passion for comics with me into retirement. Good for you, Bill. Ideally, even supplementing my income a bit. I am extremely fortunate to be in a good place financially right now and expect that to continue that into retirement. So I have no need to make money, just a want. Here mm -hmm. is my question. I'm all about the beginners just making a great comic advice you give. It makes sense. Also, I am good with the start your own website advice, as well as owning my intellectual property. My question is, in building readership, you say work on the art, start a website, build a social media presence, but specifically, how does one accomplish that? For instance, do I build me as a brand or should I focus on the comic? I guess the answer to that will inform a host of other things. For instance, should the website be about me? Should it be about the comic? What about an email? I certainly don't want to use a personal email, so I create a new email. But again, is it me-centric or story-centric? Finally, readership. How in the world do I find readers? How do I build a mailing list and drive readers to my site? Through social media? If so, what are the best practices for posting to social media to promote my product? Should I use my personal social media accounts or create new ones? If there is a good comics business primer out there, I'd be appreciative of you pointing the way to it. Thanks for all you do, Bill. So yeah. that's a long one. Uh, and yeah. we don't tend to like long ones, but I felt like that was a really good, Brad felt that too, that it was a yeah. really good summary to get us started here on how do you start in 2024? Brad Geiger, yeah. I turn the question to you. Well, I love that this is coming to us from an English professor because I'm going to I'm going to turn the tables uh, a little bit uh, because if you are like most English professors I've ever met, you've had this situation where a student comes up to you and say and, and they'll say, how many words do I need to write for this essay to get an A? Right. How many words do I need? How many words? And your answer to them, if you're like almost every English professor I've ever met is as many as it takes, 
right? right. Because one right. student is going to need uh, maybe uh, uh, a thousand words to, to write a good essay. The next student might need 10,000 to, to get their point across. There's no answer to the question. And if you'll notice, every student always, and by the way, my students do this all the time. I just tell them. I said, okay, it needs to be 500 words, but between you and me, I got better things to do than count words. That, that, is, that number is just for you because you seem to need it. I don't need, I don't care. If you make something smart happen, you could do that in 10 words, but 500 words it is, yeah, yeah. but nobody's counting words. So if you're like most students, uh, you walk away from that being very disappointed, but it's the best answer possible. And I'll tell you why I, I'm, 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 I'm parsing this the way it is, because all those things that you mentioned, uh, what email should you use? What should your website be? What should you, you know, what should you, should you market it on the, on yourself or as a comic? Uh, tell me if this sounds familiar uh, to you, Dave. Okay. You got to sit down and write today. And you got nothing really burbling under your surface. You got no nothing happening between your ears, but you know you got to sit down and write and you're dreading it. So you walk towards the studio, you're going to write and you notice some dirty dishes over there in the uh. sink. Well, you can't write with dirty dishes. Sure, now you can't do that. So now you got to go over there and do those dirty dishes. When you're over at the dirt, doing the dishes, you notice that the, the wind, you're staring out the kitchen window. That thing hasn't been cleaned in a month and a half. It looks horrible. You How, how can you write with dirty you windows? You can't. It's impossible, Brian. So now yeah. you got to wash the windows and in in... Focusing on all these small incidental things, you are successfully accomplishing one thing. You're successfully accomplishing not getting started. And it's very uh, uh, useful to you to not get started because if you don't start, you can't fail. Oh, if you don't start, yes. you can't make a mistake. If you don't start, you can't get frustrated because this takes too long. If you don't start, Everything's great. So, it, it, by the way, I I, I'll, it, I do the same thing. Anytime I have to do anything handy, I can't have that hammering nails, screwing a screwdriver. First thing I do, I got to get my tool belt because you don't know what else you're going to need. Yeah. And I, it takes me three hours to get ready to screw a screwdriver in with a, with a Phillips head, right? I got to, I, because if I, if I don't start, I can't fail. And God knows I've failed enough when it comes to yeah. being handy. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So we all do it. So I'm going to tell you, Bill, it doesn't fucking matter. Choose an email and go with it. No one cares what your email address no, is. No one does. It's what you do with the email address. Now, should you should you market it on the comic or the artist? It depends. <laughs> Are you going to do one comic and do that for several years? Well, then it seems to me that it would be smart for you in that case to market it on the comic, right. to do all, to make all your social media, all your messaging Agreed. revolve around that title. But if you're going to do something else that we've suggested for first timers, and that's to do a bunch of short projects, one after another, after another, mm -hmm. then you would be very well served by doing all of your positioning around you as an artist. Right, right. But I can't tell you which one of those to choose. You have to choose one of those. And the sooner you choose one, the sooner you can do the important thing, which is 
to make comics because right. I'm telling you all these things that I'm seeing in your question uh, are, are, are incidental. Uh, I, I, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You, I, I want you to be starting to think about building a, 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 a web comic website. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, doesn't need to be done right away. Okay. And, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but all these other things, your email, your social media, we're a, a, a lot of these things. You're, you're going to make a mistake. It's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. And if you, if you make the most horriblest decision that you ever could make in an email address. Do you know what the upcome is of that? You're going to have to change your email address. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you can do that in a Saturday afternoon. And it doesn't matter. The reader and between the Tuesday and the Wednesday where you change your email address, no yeah. reader will notice, no reader will care, you know, and it won't impact Absolutely. your business. All. And, and that's true with a lot. I, I want to paint it with a broader brush for a second yeah. on the exact uh, things that Brad are saying, because I super agree with what Brad said. And here yeah. is the broader brush, which is all of the mistakes that you could be making in years one and two are all recoverable and every path yep. is changeable. Um, yes. I mean, granted, there are some mistakes that are so large that you could, but you could see what those are, Bill. You're a smart guy. You're 61. You're, you're a capable professor. Yeah. You found your way through tenure. That's an amazing accomplishment. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you know, um, from instructing thousands of students at this point that, like Brad said, they're there as long as it's the biggest step is to get started on the thing. That's yeah. that's one of the the big kickers. And like Brad, I have had a thousand projects where I found myself distracted by minutia because yes. if I'm distracted by what tools I need to buy at Home Depot for this yep. project, then I'm not then it's not I'm not failing at actually building this table, you know, because Absolutely. well, Brad, I can't do it until I get that sander. That's the right <laughs> sander. And for God's sakes, you know, anybody who's ever done any project with their hands knows you can fudge it with a, with halfway tools that are perfectly fine mm -hmm. and not have to waste hundreds of dollars. The same is true with web comics. You can yeah. you can get started with the tools at hand. Do you have a yeah. Facebook page? Well, while you're waiting to get that website designed next month, you can be putting them up on Facebook. You know what I mean? And yeah. and that's recoverable, too. For example, with Drive, it was posted on Saturdays on mm -hmm. Sheldon for a half year <laughs> or a year before it ever yeah. found its own website. Yeah. Because a part of me knew that if I waited for all the pieces to be perfect, I wouldn't start the damn thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, it went up on Saturdays, a terrible day to post things. And it the went worst. up on Sheldon, a site that had nothing to do with sci-fi. <laughs> and uh, and so and that's how it got started. But mm -hmm. to Brad's point, getting started is the key thing and not letting yourself get distracted by minutia because you're right. afraid to fail. Yeah, it's it's called paralysis from analysis. Yep. And, yes. And, yeah. and it's really, really it, it it's, by the way, very common, very natural, very normal. I do it. We've yep. all dealt with it. And, and, and I know it would feel a lot better if we said, oh, Bill. Uh, here's the exact email address that you need to use. And it needs to be done on, on according to this formula. And if you plug your things into this formula, it'll give you the perfect email. But here's what's going to happen. Even if we did that, something's going to change next month or next year and, and make that obsolete. And you're going to have to roll with the punches anyway. Yes, yeah. we, could, we could give you all kinds of exact answers to your questions and things that we don't even see on the horizon could change. And it could be end up the wrong answer. And sometimes it's really helpful to put things into a different context and you'll see yeah. why paralysis from analysis is a universal for all of us. When I was yeah. a teen and maybe even into my 20s, I don't remember, when I wanted to ask somebody out, I don't know if you <sighs> did this, Brad, 
I would make a flow chart that like if like even if it was a mental thing, like if they say this, I'll bring up this topic. And if they go in this direction, I'll uh, right because I'm trying to anticipate everything that could go wrong. And I'm so nervous to call them. And oh, God, it, first of all, what a train wreck Dave Kellett was dating wise. Yeah. Right. But second of all, it's that same kind of thing that I see. In this moment for you, Bell, is you're trying to anticipate yeah. all the things that could go wrong. And that's a very normal human reaction when, yeah. frankly, just starting, just picking up the phone call at Dave Kellett and calling them is the best yeah. way to get started. You know, things start to flow. Mistakes are are overcome and then things it starts to flow a little more naturally, you know. And yeah. so but you got to get you got to get the gates open first. Yeah, absolutely. So now now that we've done good and chastised Bill for being normal and natural, let's go through some things about about starting that we can offer yeah. some good advice we can offer. And the first one is is to just do it. Start working right now. Start building comics, whether it's a comic strip or a comic page, put pen to paper, put stylus to screen and start making comics right. just start it right now they're going to be they're probably not going to be very good but you got to get the not so good ones out of the way so you can get to the better ones that's the old axiom right, right so my first word of advice is to start doing it give yourself a certain number of pages or strips or panels that you want to get done in a particular week for example and then see what it takes for you to achieve those goals and see if you can make it repeatable and so on and so forth but first right. is, is just, just, just do it. Okay. Now yep. here's the next question that you're going to have. How often do I post? Okay. So, uh, and again, we see all the time. There's, there, there's people that'll tell you, they'll, they'll tell you magic numbers. Okay. And if you want magic numbers, I guarantee there's people out there, influencers and podcasters that are willing to give you those magic numbers. Uh, I, I, I refuse to do that. I'll give you the formula. Frequent, consistent, significant. Your post rate should be as frequent as you can make it while maintaining consistency of quality and of posting rate while keeping each update significant. Frequent, consistent, significant. That's right, your post right. rate. Your FCS is going to be different than my FCS, which is going to be different FCS. than Dave's He's FCS. He's not calling it I'm FCS. I'm going to make it happen. I'm making FCS happen. Oh. It's going to happen. Oh. FCS. <laughs> Just deal with it. Just deal with it. I mean, listen, I have, listen. I went on for eight minutes about about UFOs, so yeah, you get to call yeah, it FCS. I'm gonna call I don't it get FCS. to make fun of you. Yes. Yeah. No, you may not. <laughs> but no, that's that's. And by the way, that's something that I I, I started to. That's a concept I started developing when I first started doing webcomics.com in 2010, and it has been something that has been consistent from websites to social media. FCS as frequent as you can without sacrificing uh, quality, right? Yes. And without getting into a situation where you can do it for a couple of weeks, but then you can't do it. And then you can do it for, right. you know, right. and without posting crap, right? It's got to be significant. It's got to be your, uh, your best work. It's got to be good work. Right. So frequent, right. consistent, significant. Now, social media. That's going to be where you do most of your audience building. And don't. And by the way, Bill, I haven't forgotten your your main question is how do I build an audience? We're going to get there. Don't worry. I got a lot of talking to do, Bill. I got a lot <laughs> of thoughts here. Okay. I got opinions. So you got you got to just sit with me. I, I'm going to lecture for a little bit. Uh, social media. 
choose a couple that you think are best suited to your kind of work, whether that's Twitter, Blue Sky, Mastodon, Threads, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, what have you. Choose a couple. I, I would not suggest trying to do everything, especially right off the bat. I would choose a couple and concentrate your efforts there. And I would also echo on that by saying uh, choose at least one that you already have a presence on and you already have yep. built a, a number of relationships uh, with, especially mm -hmm. because in the first stages of your comic, if at 61, I'm just going to make a guess here, your most frequently used social media sites are probably Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm guessing. I'm just guessing. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you have a few hundred to a few thousand connections on those, that's where you start. You know, yes, yeah. go on Twitter or Blue Sky or Threads or Mastodon. But but also keep in mind that you've already got a couple hundred to a couple thousand connections already yeah. on so those existing probably older social media sites facebook or or what have you and so yeah. use it don't don't shy away from from posting them there you know yeah now should you should you build a new social media presence for your comic or should you using your existing one that you've been posting personal stuff under completely up to you and it depends on your circumstance in some cases yep. you might want to be very very closely uh recognized with that comic and you might want that to be part of your persona online here's my comic that's fine the comic maybe you might not want that to be directly associated with you for any number of reasons maybe it's a completely different thing than this persona that you built online uh for many years right Maybe it's not the kind of thing that those people that had been following you online are, are, are going to be very attracted to. So right, then right. in that case, you build something new. And in other words, it's completely dependent upon your situation. There's no there's no boilerplate answer to that. OK, now yeah. here's what I want you to do next. Get a little bit of a buffer. OK, now you've heard me say on the show before that that uh, posting uh, scheduling is less important than it was back in the ad driven days of the websites. That's still true. That's still mm -hmm. very true. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and I'm going to follow through with that thought. But I do want you to start with a little bit of a buffer because posting regularly in the beginning is going to be an advantage for you. OK, yep. so get yep. get a yep. whole bunch, whether it's several pages or a, a couple of dozen strips or a couple of dozen panels. Uh, I want you to start with a buffer, because in the beginning, when you're really focusing on audience building, having that regular posting schedule is going to be nothing but an advantage. Now, sometimes you're going to miss a schedule because you're going to run out of buffer and you're going to miss. Right. Don't torture yourself about it. Don't get upset about it. It's not the end of the world. Remember, the person that's out there that you're counting on to be your reader is sitting in front of an endless uh, scroll of content. They're not going to notice that you missed an update today unless you bring it to their attention. And that's the biggest, dumbest rookie move of all is to make a post that says no comic today. Sorry, folks, I got the tummy hurts. You <laughs> I'm telling you, you don't do that. You just no. you just hit it next week. Come back next. Nobody noticed. They're so busy scrolling through an endless myriad of content that they can't possibly, possibly notice that you did. 
Listen, there's a, there's a few of us that are so important, so compelling. They do so spectacular work that if they miss an update, everybody knows it. Yep. You're not that guy. I'm not that person. Dave, I don't know, might be that person. Nope, I but am not. I will speak for us, myself. I'm not that person. Yeah. Yeah. Most of us ain't that person. We're that, 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 that's so fucking beloved that if I don't post this Tuesday, everybody's wondering if I'm okay. And you're not either. So don't call attention to it. Just get your buffer back and get back on the horse. It's not yep. the end of the world. Here's another point I, that, that I can say is nigh universal. It's about the writing. It's all about the writing. Most of us come to comics because we're artists. Most of us are failing at comics because we don't realize that our readers are about the writing, right? They call, we call them comics readers, not comics lookers. They're not here for the art. They're not comics lookers. They're comics, comics lookers. readers. They're readers. It's about Brad. That. Can and, I and tell yes. you though? I, I I'm going to be yeah. honest. I've always considered you a comics looker. <laughs> As well, you should. As that, this that's wedding what makes, ring that, comes right off, Brad Gagger. Right, right off. That's why. That's why we're in our seventh year, my friend. Is because you know what's good. Because <laughs> you're easy on the eyes, Brad that's Gagger. Right. You're easy on the eyes. <laughs> so no, uh, it's about the writing. And and by the way, don't get don't get all bent out of shape if you're listening to this. Of course. Of course, art can be a, a plus. Better art is better than worse art. Of course, all those things are true. Yeah, yeah. But, but you need to focus on the writing. And the chances are, if you're like 80% of us, you came to comics because you are fascinating with, uh, with, with the art, right? Uh, an English professor, maybe not. Maybe you, maybe you're a little bit step ahead. But to the general person that is listening here, I want you to focus on the writing. And writing is editing. Writing is writing, and then editing, and then rewriting, and then editing, and then rewriting and editing until you really know you've got something good to to put into a comic. It's about the writing, and and until you understand that, you're going to get really frustrated with your with your results okay uh a couple of just just real quick ones that that are that are real real easy but again uh somewhat universal do mm -hmm. start building or thinking about a website what the website doesn't have to be built right away you can you can start your building on social media but you should be thinking about a website you don't buy ads. Don't put money into this at any point. Ads are, uh, we, we, we've God, got an no. entire show, I think, where we talk about well, what a folly it is to buy advertising. Yeah. And, and here's where I get to the part where you, where you asked, how do you build an audience? You need to start in your first couple of years, maybe even your first five or 10 years, doing this for love doing this for the love of the experience, doing this for the love of comics, yeah. because that's all you're going to get out of it for the first several years. And again, anyone who tells you that it's different is probably selling you something. Okay. Yeah. You are facing a long, long process of building an audience and there's no shortcuts. There's no, there's no, uh, uh, actual shortcuts. Uh, you'll find all kinds of people making promises. There's no actual shortcuts. Here's how you, I'm going to give you the, the, the formula for building an audience. Ready? You do a really, really good comic. And then 
you post it someplace where it's easy for somebody to find it, read it, and share it. Mm-hmm. And then you do that again the next time. And then you do that again. And then you do that again. And then you do that again. And you keep doing that. And you're going to build, if you're posting good work, you're going to build that uh, readership one person at a time. You're going to get a new follower. You're going to get somebody commenting. You're going to get a share. That's how audience building works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's slow. Mm-hmm. It's tedious. And it requires you to keep doing it one at a time. One comic. That's really good. Now, how can you improve your odds a little bit here? Well, I need to be able to read your comic on social media without clicking, without pinching, without zooming. I need to be able to read it. That means your lettering should probably be a little bit bigger. It means Mm -hmm. that if you're posting a long horizontal strip, you better break that up into a square, two panels on top, one or two panels on the bottom. Do whatever you need to do to make that so that I can read it without clicking, pinching, zooming, going to another website, all that other bullshit, right? Uh, and, and, and then practice the four C's of social media that we talk about, right? Where you're doing a little bit of talking about content, a little bit of commercial, although frankly, in your first several years, there should be zero commercial. You're not ready to monetize for a, a, quite a while yet. Uh, and then be active. Social media is active. So if you're out there talking with other cartoonists, if you're commenting on other, other people's work, if you're sharing other people's work, if you're, Uh, If you're participating in the social part of social media, that's how you can get this thing going is by being active on on social media. That's why I don't suggest you doing a whole bunch of them, right? Like all of them, Mm -hmm. Uh, one or two. So you can focus your efforts on those things. Then you can you can start to build uh, an audience. And it's going to take a long time. You're not ready. Yeah. Don't don't start your Patreon. Don't start your Patreon at all. We've talked about oh, it God. on the show. No. Yeah, because you you end up getting like zero Patreon backers, or worse yet, one or three Patreon backers, and then you're going to feel like such a failure, and you're going to make a bunch of dumb decisions trying to go from three Patreon backers to four Patreon backers, which is also right. not right. enough Patreon backers. So, uh, uh, and don't start a Patreon. Don't start monetizing. I want you to just focus on doing it for the love of doing comics uh, because frankly, and I'm just being honest with you, that's all you're going to get for the first several years is love. And I, first of all, I feel like I'm just playing color to Brad's excellent advice today, but that's fine because uh, this is excellent advice. I will say this, that I just want to underline, you've got to do it for the love. And you know that intuitively already, Bill, because you you have a desire to start it, but, but you got to know that those first hundred, 200 comics, they might just be seen mainly by you. So you got to yep. do it for you for the joy of the process and you got to do it for you for the joy of the improvement uh, and you'll see it. But you do have to have a willingness for those first 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 comics to a little bit be embarrassed. And yeah. that's a hard thing, especially as adults, for us to say to ourselves, you got to be like, I know I can do better and I'm going to do better. But this one is for right now is the best I can do. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You put it out there. You know, don't be embarrassed to, to share it. Get it out there. Get it working for you. And with the yeah. knowledge that what the, the mistakes that you see in yesterday's comic and today's comic will be poured into the work of tomorrow's comic, which goes exactly right. into what Brad was saying about persistence. This is a persistence game. It is, as we always say, a marathon. It is not a sprint. 
You know this from your own students. It's going to take months. It's going to take years. And mm -hmm. most likelihood, it's going to take multiple, multiple years to get to a place where you and the world are recognizing that this is a comic that has worth, right? Yeah. And I, I just want to say one other thing, which is that um, the first comics that you do, there's a lot of variables up in the air that we don't often talk about that I just want you to be aware of that it's mm. not just about making a or trying to make a good comic in those first 10 to 20 to 30 comics. The first 10, 20, 30 comics you make, you're kind of also experimenting with where in my house do I want to draw? What yep. pen do I want to use? What type of digital uh, program do I want to clean this up in? How mm -hmm. do I want to scan? How do I want to color? What time of day works for me to draw or write? Um, how do I first want to edit my work? I've never done yeah. this before. Like the, what I'm getting at there, Brad, is the a general acceptance that the first 20, 30, 40 comics you're doing, you're also teaching yourself how you want to do it. And that's a whole different variable aside from making comics. And just be aware that that's part of the process too. I'm still yeah. 25 years in trying to figure out what's the optimal place for me to write and the time of mm -hmm. day for me to write and the conditions for me to write. What's the optimal place in my house for me to draw and the time of yeah. day and the way I draw, you know, that kind of thing. So it's still, that's an ever fighting battle, but uh, just know that it's not just about making those those first 20, 30 comics good. It's also about yeah. figuring out how to make 20, yeah. 30 comics. And, and figuring out for yourself, because Dave's answers to those questions are going to be different than my yes. answers to those yes, questions. Exactly. Yes. And, and, and part of this is you learning what's right for you. I'm just going to tie this up with a bow because there's one thing that just hit me while, while you were talking about it, about you might feel like you're wasting those first several comics or the first several years of comics that you're putting out there and nobody's seeing. You hear people all the time saying, I feel like I'm shouting into the void. Well, you're not shouting into the void. Here's, I'll tell you what you're doing. Doing. You're building an archive for your future fans to be delighted by because yeah. that stuff does not disappear. It's, once you build your website, it doesn't. That stuff does not disappear. It's there. You've done it. You've created it. It's going to be in your first book. It's going to be in your first collection. It's going to be in your website. It's going to be absolutely wonderful. Uh, your, your, your future readers and your future fans will be transfixed when they go back and find all of this stuff that you did right. back when you thought you were shouting into the void. What you're actually doing is building the archive to delight your future fans. Yeah. And I will say this, that in terms of, you know, how do I get started building my readership? Brad had spot on advice earlier. I will just say this, yeah. that um, uh, going back to that idea that I was promoting, which is that you've probably established yourself somewhat on some social media platform. It's either Facebook, it's LinkedIn. Um, because you are a professor, you know this intuitively. Don't share this with your students because there is both an implied and an explicit oh, promise yes, that yes. your job is to teach them. Your job is not to share your comics with them. Their job is not to, to read your comics. Right. Um, so that's both an implied and an explicit promise between the, your, the relationship that's been established. Don't go out to mm -hmm. students. But one thing I will, I will say is part of the reason I say you've got to be willing to be embarrassed is in the first months and years of your comic, 
I want you to share it with coworkers, past coworkers, with family, with former um, uh, uh, classmates that you had back in the day, people you played softball with in the 90s, uh, you know, that yeah. the, the bowling league you had back in the day. Because will there be a cousin that's into monster trucks that absolutely makes fun of you for your comics? Yes, you gotta be willing to be embarrassed, remember that. But you will be surprised that there will be a cousin that you kind of forgot about who is a huge fan of comics and loves your comics and actually mm -hmm. becomes a cheerleader for you and a, a super spreader of your comics into their social yeah. spheres. And yeah. honestly, you don't know until you share with your established networks which cousin, which former co-worker, which former uh, uh, softball league member is going to share with for you on your behalf, yeah. you know. And so with a willingness to be embarrassed, share it. Don't be a creep. Don't overdo it. Don't be pushy about it. We've all talked about mm -hmm. that on past shows. Share it on Facebook. Share it on LinkedIn. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Blue Sky. Uh, and you will be surprised. Some people in your personal and professional network will step up and share it in those early days. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's talk comics. All right, Brad, well, let's jump us into our second part of our yeah. 20. It's 2024. How do I start and how do I know if my comic is good show? And this mm -hmm. question comes in from Art of Kai over at patreon.com slash comic lab. And uh, the question is, you guys keep saying, quote, do a good comic, which I understand. But how do I figure out if my story is good? Is it one of those catch 22 situations? I need to do a good comic to get a good audience, but you don't know you have a good comic until you get a good audience. I have begun writing my long form web comic and I want so badly for it to be good. And it scares yeah. me that it may not be. So Brad, how does one look in the mirror and self evaluate on whether their comic is good? Yeah, well, I mean, here's here's the truth of the matter. If it's your first story and it's the first time you're doing this, as we've been saying, it's probably not going to be very good. But it's crucial that you do it so you can go so you can learn from that and go on and do uh, uh, things that are that are informed by those that that first experience. Agreed. And, and, and frankly, uh this is also kind of like get over yourself time too, because what are the chances that your very first webcomic is going to be spectacular? Not, not good, right? Because you're human. You're like most of us. My first webcomics were not good. Dave's first attempts were not good. All of us have gotten much better than we were at when we started out. So, so your expectation that you're placing on yourself, that this is going to be uh, so, so very good is 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 leading some is very unrealistic and it is leading you to again right. a little bit of paralysis from analysis so 
So I so I I understand where you're coming from, but I also want you to take it a little bit easy on yourself and and allow yourself the uh, the the joy of of doing work that you end up learning from because there was a problem here and a problem there. That's a that's a joyful process at the end of the day, uh, getting right. better at something. So so how do you know if you're good? Well, I I I don't know about you, Dave. I've got two major benchmarks when I'm when I'm taking a look at that for myself. The first one is very pragmatic. If I'm doing work that's getting a positive response uh, from people, then then I then I've got a pretty good indication that I'm doing something right. Right. If I'm getting right. if I if I'm getting followed on social media by actual people, as opposed to the bots that seem to be running wild on Twitter right now, if I'm getting if I'm getting followed by people, if I'm getting comments, if I'm getting uh, shares, engagements, all of those things is an indication that I'm doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and again, when you're first starting out, those are going to be few and far between. So be realistic about that, too. But as you continue uh, getting getting a positive engagement on social media is one of my first uh, benchmarks uh, uh, that I'm doing something good. Number two is is this. You have to develop an aesthetic. And you have to do that by exposing yourself to good work, by learning things about comics, by buying books uh, or, or, or maybe taking a class or doing something where you're being guided by somebody who is uh, as at an advanced level in this and can can help you develop your aesthetic. It, it means re- reading books that are uh, that are collections of good comics and right. and. And and really not just reading them, but analyzing them, looking over. Why is this lettering working so well? You know, once you get an aesthetic for lettering, immediately you can tell the difference between somebody who is doing really good lettering and someone who just dumped words into a square text box and then drew a word balloon around it and, and let those words fall wherever they fell in the box. That stuff is, is amateur hour. And it is, uh, it is something that's uh, done constantly. Uh, but once you get good at developing your aesthetic, that stuff sticks out like a sore thumb. It's horrible. Right. right. Uh, but you have to do that. That's an active learning process that you have to do. Yeah, I'll give you one more. And and by the way, I've said it, I've been banging the drum on this for so long, very few people are taking me up on it, but it exists. And that is the critique channel at the Comic Lab Discord. Now, Comic Lab has a lot of very good cartoonists that are uh, uh, part of our community from all levels, amateurs, pro-ams, uh, professionals. We've got a whole bunch of people, all of whom are talking about comics on a very high consistent level. It's not mm-hmm. like drive-bys on Facebook where you mm-hmm. don't know who they're you're invested, dealing with. So they're there for the long yeah, haul. Yeah. That's the word. So post your work. It, it hurts. It's, 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 it's terrifying to expose yourself that way to say hey here's my stuff tell me tell me what i'm doing wrong but the few people who took me up on it are getting really good comments if you really want to see if your story is good post it on the critique channel at at the the discord 
server and get some get some responses to it. Get some get some people talking about it. Uh, I, I've seen some very positive things happen from that. Uh, but it, but it's amazing how many people want to want to ask this question. Am I good? But don't want to actually go through the process of putting themselves up for a critique. Right. Because, you know, they're going to they're going to hear <laughs> all the stuff they don't want to hear. And I get it. But it's also what you need to do to get better. Yeah. And uh, a little bit, I like doing these comparisons that take us out of uh, the the wheelhouse of cartooning for a second. Yeah. Think about it with conversations, Brad, that we've had about people that are about to become a new parent. Yeah. And they're riddled with the fear of not being a good parent, right? Mm -hmm. And so many existing parents look at them and say, if you love them and you yes. do your best, 99% of the time you won't mess up because mm -hmm. the mere act of loving them and wanting to do the right thing, you'll do the research, you'll read the books, you'll ask other parents, you'll put in the legwork to be a good parent at the stages that you're in for that moment, right? And yeah. so when I hear a cartoonist saying, I just want to make a good comic, I will say you're on the right path to making a good yep. comic because it's the people that are phoning it in that don't make it, um, don't make attempts. Don't do what Brad mm -hmm. said and go out and research great books and resources. Don't watch YouTube videos. Don't look and see and break down what the pros that they grew up reading did to make a good comic by yeah. wanting to be a good cartoonist. If you follow it up with the legwork that gets yeah. you 90% of the way you want to go in terms of starting and making a good comic. Um, yeah. And so it is like parenthood when when a new parent is nervous and they're like, I just don't want to mess it up. If you love them, you won't mess it up because you'll put in the legwork, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, so there's always that. The second thing I want to say is as far as a resource you can turn to. And I forgot to mention this at the end of Bill's questions in part one. There was a really excellent book and the author will not uh, probably sing their own praises. So I want to sing their praises for them over at Amazon.com. You'll find a book called the Web Comics Handbook, which is written by a very young Brad Geiger, a delightfully yeah. handsome cartoonist. You might have heard of him. Uh, it is the cartoonist guide for working in the digital age and uh, springboarding off our earlier how to make web comics book from image, which I'll be honest, I don't necessarily recommend anymore. It's now what? 13 years old it's very it's old. dated yeah. it's, it's very yeah. dated brad's webcomic handbook has real actionable advice that you can use today in your cartooning for bill and art of kai for your question in terms of how to know when you are good so i'm just going to throw that out there as a, re a resource that you can turn to um but brad as far as knowing that you are good i yeah. think in the early years the question is are you happy with your work are you happy mm -hmm. with the progress? Are you happy that you're seeing and implementing small improvements that is making the story better as you go? Because that first six months, maybe the first yeah. six years, you're not getting a ton of feedback, don't you think, Brad? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, you're getting the follows. Yes, you're yeah. getting people chiming in now and again. But on a day-to-day -day basis, it's you with a love of cartooning and with the desire of wanting to be a cartoonist. And like I said, putting in the legwork because you want to be a good cartoonist. Mm -hmm. That is helping you in the first six months and you're doing it for yourself. As Brad says, you're cultivating your own aesthetic. It's, yeah. there's not a lot of feed. There's not as much as any of us would want 
a feedback loop of I put the thing out and I got 20 emails saying, here are all the things right. that it did right. Here are all the things that it did wrong. It's you cultivating for yourself an ever increasing aesthetic. Yeah. I, I So I struggle with that. I struggle with that. If, if you want me to be really honest with okay. you, I, I struggle with that because I, I, I admire the positivity that you're putting out there <laughs> and I, and, and everything you're saying is very good. And I, and I, I co-sign it. It, it, but, but tell me if you've also seen this, you've seen somebody that's been doing this for a little while and they're, they're making any number of, of mistakes. And, but, uh, and, and sometimes you'll even get like, let's, let's say they're working in humor. They put something and somebody says, you know, the dreaded thing that nobody likes to get. I don't get it. Or right. I don't think this right. is funny. Right. And you'll hear the person say, well, I think it's funny. I think it's, I think it's great. Right. Yeah. And I, it, it, I, I am of two minds on that. Number one, yes, you need to have a little bit of that self-confidence that says, by God, I think this is good. You also need to listen <laughs> when you're not connecting with an audience because it's, it's, it's an indication that you could be missing something. You could be yeah. leaving some room that you need to develop. And, and I see so many people, and, and I really do having, and we both, I'm, I'm sure to an extent, follow a lot of cartoonists on social media. And we both know of people that have been doing this for a long time and aren't getting better because they kind of refuse to take a critical look at their own self right? and, and at their own work. And 50% of me is with you a hundred percent. You've got it. You've got it. This is like that cologne just, sex Panther and Anchorman, yes, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keep going. 50% of me is with you a hundred percent and 50% <laughs> of me says that keep you've going. got to take a, uh, an objective look. You've got to get some other, some some people who are real whose people whose opinion you respect. Yeah, right. Not just yes. again, not just some person on the street or some flyby. Somebody whose opinion you respect that, to give you some honest feedback on that. And again, prepared to hear be be prepared to hear some stuff that you're not prepared to hear. Uh, but I, I, I have such a hard time with it, Dave, because I know what you're trying to do. I know the encouragement and I know that, that, and, 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 it, and it's, and it's also genuine and true and useful. And I also know that, that, that too much of that turns into uh, a problem. Well, I want to say point counterpoint. I also see what you're saying, which is that uh too much like happy clappy like you're gonna do great is it serves yeah. uh, for certain personalities it doesn't serve them at all because they're not seeing the forest for the trees in their work and they're not seeing the stick in their own eye even though they can see it in other people's uh eye. Yeah. You know, like what what i'm getting at is there is that you are right as well and i so how do we thread that needle between pie in the sky if you want to do yeah. good work you're going to put in the work to do good work and brad's idea like I mean, here's the thing. Partially, you have to ask yourself, do I have a track record in my own life of being a moron and needing other people to tell me, <laughs> hey, you're gone the wrong path, do something slightly different? In which yeah. case, 
lean towards Brad's advice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm being sincere about that. But all, or, all the real morons think that they're brilliant and all the real, really brilliant people think that they're morons. That's true. It's kind of like that that Donald Rumsfeld thing of the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. Yeah, it, yeah. it's like, uh, what, what was that? Dunning-Kruger syndrome. Yeah, right? it's absolutely Every, Dunning-Kruger. Everybody yes. who's really, really shitty at something thinks that they're doing just great. I know, but isn't that the weirdest thing though, that, that the people that are truly terrible and, but they think they're fantastic. I mean, that's a form yeah. of artistic narcissism. And I mm -hmm, don't know mm -hmm. how to classify or uh, direct the actions that can fix that. Like, I don't know that that's yeah. fixable, you know? I don't know that But it by is saying either. that those people exist, there's, pe there's good artists that are getting better and doing the work and improving their aesthetic. They're like, oh no, am I artistically narcissistic? Dave and Brad yeah. said that those kind of people exist. Maybe I'm that kind of person. Uh, so if you, I, if you speak oh, to those yeah. kind of people, you're scaring off the people that are, are doing the work. And exactly. It's, it's, exactly. Really, it's really hard. It's a catch 22. Yeah. It really is. And then there's also well, this, Brad. There's also, mm -hmm. there's also this, because the phrase good in quotes, am I doing good work? is yeah. also vastly subjective. And oh, I, yes. as a professional, have to admit, there are mm -hmm. cartoonists that are making millions of dollars mm -hmm. from their cartooning that mm -hmm. I think are terrible. I do not like their work. <laughs> I do not understand how they found success. I can't believe that an audience gravitates toward them. Subjectively, yeah. I feel like it's not good work. But objectively, yeah. I have to admit, they have found an audience that loves it. Right. Because right. in a world that thinks that Tim and Eric comedy is amazing, <sighs> you can have Gilmore Girls people that thinks that's the worst possible jokes going. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. Tim and Eric people can think that Gilmore Girls is the worst jokes possible. Yes. They're both subjectively great shows, uh, but yes. uh, very vastly different audiences and types of humor. The same yeah. can be true for good comics. Vastly different no. types can succeed. I don't I don't know that I could say that any better. And, and and I'm looking at the clock. We got a little bit of time. I know we usually do updates in the middle of the show. I want to sneak this update in here because I knew you wanted to talk about it a little bit. We got a little bit of time. KDP, where do we stand on your experiment with KDP? KDP. Okay, so uh, I am back on KDP. I am actively using it. My account is now live again. My three books that I've uploaded are all live. I will say. I still don't recommend doing it. I am very wary of the whole process uh, mm -hmm. now that this has happened to me. And, but I, it's, it's worth repeating that, that I don't recommend it because Brad, we had a bit of advice on a recent show where I said that I blocked and then unblocked my Patreon free followers and that I a hundred percent don't recommend. I want to underline that. I don't recommend <laughs> that you do this. And yet right. people and were like, well, Brad, the show. they seem to be recommending that I block and unblock people. <laughs> and I'm like, for God's <laughs> sakes, I specifically said, I don't recommend it. I'm yeah. saying in this update, I specifically don't recommend you try KDP until yeah. and unless I give the green light because I this might all go toes up again uh, with this yeah. account. So, yes, it's back on, on, on online for me. Yes, my books are live on KDP. Yes, Brad is making $30 a month, but getting a $3 check. We're not 100% right. sure that this process is working, and let's leave it yeah. at that for now. In other words, yeah, we can't endorse it. We cannot endorse it. Yeah. And, 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 and <laughs> just, and, and frankly, I'll be honest with you. I don't even think I would have done this if I wasn't doing the podcast and I wanted to be able to talk about it intelligently. Yeah, that could be true. Like, yeah. I, I, 
don't think I would have done this. It, it, it was a lot of time that I'm not getting back that has not delivered on the ROI. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm still holding off a little bit. I'm still looking at other things. Uh, I, again, every time we talk about this, I'm going to send my props out to drive through comics because every time I look at the $3 I got from KDP, I look at the three digits uh, checks that I've been getting from uh, drive through comics. Right. They have been delivering time and time again. So if you're looking for something we do endorse, uh, go over to drive through comics. They're not a sponsor of the show. I'm just going to tell you to go, go check them out. They are, <laughs> they are really uh, uh, doing great. And having said that, I'm going to say this. You've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. My wonderfully tolerant friend of my bad opinions on the state of UFOs, he's been my friend Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the creator of Evil Link at evilcomic.com. And once again, I will remind you, he's also the creator and writer of the webcomics handbook. That's the webcomics handbook over at amazon.com. You can check it out. I highly recommend the book. It is beautifully put together. Ah, thank you so much. And my very thoughtful friend, Dave Kellett, the co-director of the comics documentary Stripped and the cartoonist of Sheldon at SheldonComics.com and Drive at DriveComic.com. And the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love Comic Lab, and we know that you do, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. Thank you so much for those five-star reviews, uh, especially on Spotify. You are absolutely, every time you do that, you're helping that show go out to more people who uh, really can be helped by uh, hearing it and hearing some of the thoughts we share. Thank you so much for keeping us right at the top on Spotify. And in a show about how you get started in 2024 and how you know you're doing good work in 2024, I will say the way you get started reviewing uh, Comic Lab is by going over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts. <laughs> and the yes. way you're doing, you know you're doing good is if you've put five stars as your review and written That's a few right. kind words on Apple, it will make a huge difference. I will say Comic Lab is made possible by your direct support on patreon.com slash comic lab. So I will go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com. Flash Comic Lab. Dave, I almost interrupted you halfway through the show when you were talking about writing a flow chart for uh, calling up somebody you wanted to uh, get a date with. <laughs> okay, yes. I did this just this weekend, but it wasn't a date. It wasn't oh, a date. Oh, no. Um, were you calling I'm like a cable going, company or something? I'm going to tell you a story, and you're going to tell me that I'm a damned liar, but on the eyes of my children, this is a true story. I get nervous at the at, when I'm talking on the phone. I, yeah. On a microphone, I'm just fine. But yeah. on the phone, I get very nervous, right? Okay. And uh, uh, it, it's no different at a drive-thru. I, I went through a drive-thru this weekend with my kid. And because we were both hungry, we went to the drive-thru. We're waiting a couple minutes, which is fine. I, and, so I don't like mayonnaise. I hate mayonnaise. <laughs> I, I can't stand mayonnaise. Okay. And so I've got to put a special order through so for just mustard, ketchup, and pickles. 
right? That's sure. all I want. Sure. That's sure. all I want. Reasonable. Totally but, reasonable. They put onions on it, but it, but if I get mayonnaise, it's it's nauseating to and me. And the whole thing so, gets, is ruined. Yes, I get it. Yeah. And I get nervous and I've actually ordered mayonnaise trying not to order mayonnaise because yeah. I get nervous and I just say mustard. I, I just say uh, lettuce tomatoes and mayonnaise i hate tomatoes and i hate mayonnaise well i'll, I'll I be honest nervous. i I, uh, I i'm not pausing the story i just want to echo your thought that like i can tolerate yeah. mayonnaise in a small amount but if there's yeah. too much mayonnaise or if i genuinely start to think of how mayonnaise is made oh, i'm like oh, i'm out what? i'm out i can't yeah, eat this thing yeah. i can't oh, do I it i got stuff like that too where i i can eat it but i can't think about it yeah. I, I just eat it and, yeah. and swallow just and get don't it in, think. get it in don't think about how so, it got to you yeah exactly so i had this great idea i i got my phone out brought, brought up the notes app and i wrote out my order so i could just read it <laughs> and i said I, I and and so i had it all written out i got up to the drive-through window and i say into the speaker I'd like a Whopper with just ketchup, mustard, and pickle. And I said it beautifully, eloquently, amazingly. I want a Whopper with mustard, ketchup, and pickle. And the guy in the other line said, sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> you want a Whopper, you're going to have to no, go to Burger King. No, and I started just, I just started, no. I literally put this poor kid in a situation where he had to say unironically, sir, this is a Wendy's because it was a Wendy's and I ordered a fucking Whopper. Did you immediately get the underarm flop sweat where you're like, oh, oh God, oh God. I know I started laughing at myself so hard I couldn't get the rest of my order out. <laughs> Cause I had, I had more things to say. My kid wanted food that day too, but I had tears coming down my eyes and I drive up and here's this poor kid that's been working. Think about it, a drive-through at Wendy's. Oh my God. He's been just nothing but misery and here comes this guy and 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 he's ordering a whopper and he, he probably thinks i'm either insane or being a jackass or or both uh and, and i'm just like yeah i i, I here's your money I, i'm gonna leave as quickly as possible it was it was unbelievable I, do you remember early earlier in the show when i said you know sometimes you have to ask yourself in general have i am i a moron in my life decisions <laughs> yeah. i want to yeah. say unequivocally in this moment my friend brad can answer yes